Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Romans chapter 10 is where I would like to um, begin as we actually pick up on something that I was ministering on Wednesday night to you and in some of our previous times that I've been with you, we've been talking about being governed by the word, word governed, and we've looked at some different aspects and uh, just for the sake of time, uh, I'm not going to revisit all of the different thing, ground that we've already covered. You can go back and watch that or listen to it in the podcast. Um, but we've been talking about basically how that God's Word created everything and God established His Word system on the planet for you and I to benefit as we operate submitting to his word and then using his word to create or to frame our world in the same way that he framed the world the way he wanted it. And we can take his word and see his will established in our lives. And to do that, we have to first submit to it and then secondly begin to put it in our heart and in our mouth so that it will effectively operate in our life. And... um, This, in Romans chapter 10, goes right to that concept of the Word being in those two places in our lives. So let's pick up here in Romans chapter 10, and let's look at verse 8 and 10. And today, as we move forward, we're going to look at being Word-governed in our health. How that our health is affected by the Word that governs us. Romans chapter 10, let's look at verses 8 through 10. It says here, uh, what saith it? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. Now, this is scripturally in an order specifically. In your mouth and in your heart. In your mouth and in your heart. In your mouth and in your heart. So if I want to get the word in my heart, one way for me to get it in my heart is to put it in my mouth. When Psalm 45.1 identifies the tongue as a pen, the pen of a ready writer, Proverbs also identifies the heart as a tablet. And so you can use your mouth to write the word into your heart or deposit the word into your heart. When I was a young a girl in elementary school, they had a long playing album, an LP that my teacher would put on, and it had the multiplication songs. Every multiplication table in, in the, that we were learning had its own song, and so we would listen to it while we looked at it, and we memorized two times two is four, two times three is six, Uh, we memorized those multiplication tables. They didn't want me to figure out each multiplication equation. They wanted me to memorize it. Do you remember? 
Uh, maybe you had a different way of it being taught to you, but they wanted it to be in your memory so that when you got to algebra, you didn't have to figure out two times three to figure out your algebraic equation. You'd already memorized two times three. So if two times three was there on the page, you could just in your mind, I've memorized that. I know how to fix the equation just by looking at it because I've already written something into my heart. And how did I do it? I was hearing it, I was seeing it, and then I would sing it with the record. I was saying it out loud, and our teacher would then go through and rehearse with us. Two times two is four. Two times three is six. And we were saying it, and in the saying it, we were memorizing it. We were seeing it, we were hearing it, and saying it to get it in the heart. Because we wanted to have it in our heart, memorized. And so he has established this for us. He says, if the word, he says, the word is near you, it's in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So there's something specific that needs to be declared and something specific that needs to be believed. To, and this word, he's, this is a word saved. It means liberation. It means deliverance. It means restoration. It means healing. It means prosperity. It's talking about the whole entirety of your life, that your life would be whole with nothing missing, nothing broken. It means rescue. One of the definitions is rescue. So that's a pretty big word. But most people read that as going to heaven. If I will believe with my heart and declare with my mouth, I'll get to go to heaven. But that's, uh, he's saying this is the, the application of a principle, believing in the heart something specific, declaring with the mouth something specific, will cause you to receive something specific. In this, he's talking about specifically, we're being born again. How do I receive the new life in Christ? In my heart, I believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. The Father raised him from the dead. That's the specific thing I need to believe. That God has raised him from the dead. Why is that necessary for me to believe that I can be born again? Because I'm the person who is not saved or born again is spiritually dead. And what do they need? They need to be brought to life spiritually. Well, the resurrection power was worked when God raised Jesus from the dead. So if I believe God raised Jesus from the dead, that gives me the legal right to believe that God will raise me from spiritual death and make me alive unto him, a new creature in Christ. I've got to believe that. If I don't believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, what basis do I have that he's changed me? That, that I am not the Michelle Steele who did the things I did before I accepted Jesus as Lord. Right? For me to have the basis of faith, the righteousness which is of faith, the right standing that says, I'm not who I was. I am not the person who, 
who what the person I was before I accepted Christ. I have to believe what is my basis of believing. God raised Jesus from the dead. Amen. Amen? Because it says that we were raised together with him. If he wasn't raised, it isn't there's a whole chapter in Corinthians where he says they were they were coming and they were saying there is no resurrection from the dead. There is, he said if Jesus be not raised then we are all in trouble. We are all lost. If Jesus be not raised from the dead. So do you see how vital that is? That I believe God raised Jesus from the dead. Years ago we were doing a... Kathleen and I would drive every uh, weekend to minister at KMAT, which is uh, somewhere down around Troost. And we would... Uh, it, it was a drug rehabilitation center where they lived in that location. And we would go after worship here. We would drive down and minister there and um, take the keyboard and have worship for them. And, and my first few times, I'm, I'm having altar calls, and I'm so excited. They're, I'm filling the altars. I mean, not, not me. God was filling the altars. And, and then two weeks and three weeks and four weeks, and I'm like, that's the same people that was here the last two weeks. That's the same people that he was, what am I doing wrong? And I began to realize as this, the Lord brought this verse to help me identify I'm having them all repent for their sin, and, but I'm not having them move into their faith that I am a new creature in Christ. I'm having them repent. They're sorry. You know, they're in the position where they realize this addiction is destroying my life. They're, it's killing me. It's killing my family. And so they are sorry for their sin. They were willing to repent and, but my prayer, it says what we need to have people believing is that God raised Jesus from the dead. Why? Because then I can believe he can raise me out of addiction and make me a person who's not an addict. I believe he can raise me out of the life of sin I've been living and I'm no longer a sinner, but now I've been raised up out of sin. I've been resurrected into new life and now I'm a new creature. I'm a new spiritual being. And so I began to change the way that I would present that uh, uh, message of salvation, the altar uh, uh, response to the altar. Because what is necessary is this specific. But, you know, this is not just limited to when we lead a person to Christ. This application is not just limited to that one experience or that one uh, uh, application. This is how we believe in every area. So, for instance, if you believe in your heart that Jesus took stripes to pay for your healing and you declare with your mouth, Jesus is my healer, then, then you shall be healed. In the same way that you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you declare He's Lord over your life, you're identifying Him, verb you are verbally authorizing the Lordship of Jesus and you are right in your heart to believe and the, the righteousness is that faith transaction. That faith transaction. No, I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and that faith that God raised Jesus from the dead gives me the legal right to walk out of Dillard's with my dress. Let me back up and say it this way. If I go into Dillard's and I say, I want this dress for me to legally walk out of that 
place with that dress, I need to make a transaction. If I make the transaction and I pay for it, and I make that proper transaction, it's now mine. I can walk out of there with it. If I don't make the transaction, when I say, I, when I believe, when it, with my heart, I believe God raised Jesus from the dead, I have now made a legal transaction to receive my new life in Christ. Amen. And then the verbal declaration gives authorization or the activation. It's like the PIN number or the signing of the card, right? right. It, it's like the transfer of the cash. I'm verbally authorizing Jesus now to be the Lord of my life because I believe God raised him from the dead. The same application, I believe that by His stripes, healing was purchased for me. It was bought for me. I don't have to do anything else to be healed because Jesus purchased it. I believe that and I began to declare, by His stripes I am healed. Jesus is my healer. He is the Lord who heals me. He is Jehovah Rapha to me. Amen? And in that believing and that declaring, I've got it in my mouth, activating it. And then I have made a legal transaction to walk out with my healing. I'm legally right. I'm righteous. That righteousness to believe. Hallelujah. Why? Not because of what I did, but I believe in what he did. That believing in what he did is what gives me legal right to enter into it. Amen? Hallelujah. So this application would be anything that is ours by covenant. Anything that is ours because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Anything that is established in His redemption, it must be from the new birth on received in this way. Hallelujah. It, this is the, the, the primary fundamental way of receiving every redemptive right. Believing in the heart, declaring it with the mouth. Believing in the heart, declaring it in the mouth. If we will become proficient in this application, in this fundamental method for receiving from God then they're, they're, everything that's ours through redemption is accessible. Hallelujah. It's ours already, but where a lot of people are, are hitting that glitch is they're wanting God to bring it into manifestation by the fact of their need. Well, God, I really need it. How come I don't have it yet? God, I really need it. I need it. I need it. I need this to happen. I need this body. I need, but I don't, but I don't. Wait a minute. If I went to the Lord about salvation that way and said, well, Lord, I really need to be saved. When are you going to save me? If I receive salvation that way, I'm never going to walk in it. I'm never going to walk in, in that, uh, that provision because I would be waiting for something that's already been accomplished. I would, be, I would be putting off until the feeling came. I would be putting off saying I have it until I feel like I have it or something looks different. You know, it didn't start looking different until I started walking in it. I didn't look any different. But I was saved, and the more that light that came into my life, the more I began walking in that salvation, 
And after a while, I quit cussing. And after a while, I quit, uh, the, you know, those things that were part of my flesh, those things that were part that, that if somebody looked at me and said, she ain't saved. Look at her. She ain't saved, y'all. Look at that. Have mercy. <laughs> well, I was saved. I just didn't know how to walk it yet. It just took me a couple of days. You know, it took me a couple of weeks. It took me a little while in the Word to begin walking in what was mine. So why would I say, well, I'm not healed? Because I don't feel healed or because the symptoms or because of the manifestation of weight. I've got to, this is, we're talking about taking a spiritual provision and learning how to bring it into natural manifestation. And when we begin to recognize that, 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 that delineation, okay, wait a minute. This in redemption is legally mine. It is mine spiritually and spiritually is not less real. It's more real. But a person who has been more proficient in the natural may not have the same skill in the spiritual. And so what we as believers are endeavoring to do is to walk in the Word every day so that we become skilled in the spiritual arenas of our life so that we become skilled in the word and skilled in applying the word and skilled in receiving from the word and and skilled in our authority and skilled in exercising the uh, the will of God in our life so this is the the application of the word it says believing in the heart and confessing with the mouth he says, verse 10, for with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. With the heart, man believes. There's that faith transaction. Now I've got legal right to walk out with my dress, right? Nobody's going to stop me at the store, at the store front, at the door and say, ma'am, you can't leave here with that dress. You didn't come in here with it. Well, I came here to get it. Well, no, I didn't come in with it. I came to get it. I'm leaving with it. And if they question me at the door, I'm going to show my transaction receipt. I'm going to show them I have legal right to leave here with my healing because by, I believe by His stripes I was healed. It's mine legally to walk out of here with it. Amen? So with the heart... Man believes unto righteousness. That's why if you don't believe it, you can't receive it. Because you would get stopped at the door and you would not have a transaction receipt. They would say, wait, wait, wait. What are you doing walking out with that healing? Do you believe it? Show me your receipt. It's like your heart can transmit a, a receipt. I, I believe that. That's the receipt that gives me evidence. I, this is mine to receive. Now it's mine. Do you remember, Pastor and I tell a story often, and we tell it because it's so applicable for the receiving, of the two people who went to the conference, and they were both battling the same illness. And one of them said, I, I know God's a healer. I know of too many people who've been healed. I know of too many promises in the Bible. I know, and, 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 and the other person said, I am the healed of the Lord. I will not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. And that other person had a different report. The one was reporting all from an outsider's 
perspective. I know of the stories. I know of the promises. I know uh, that the Bible says Jesus is a healer by his... But the other person was saying, it's mine. I have it. It's in my possession. I've made the faith transaction and I have my evidence of faith. I am the healed of the Lord. It's mine. I take it. I receive it. That's why Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three, 23, whatsoever things you desire when you pray... Believe. Believe what? Believe that you receive them. Not believe that you're going to. If, it's, if you hear your own voice say, and this is not for you to listen to other people. This is for you to investigate your voice. If you hear yourself say, I'm gonna. It's not faith, it's just hope. God's going to. I believe God's going to. If you're putting it off into the future, it's still in the hope stage, which is good. It's better than being hopeless. <laughs> but it's not at the place that I have it now, that it is mine. If I was to say, well, I hope God's going to heal me. I believe, God, I believe God's going to save me. I believe God's going to save me. I believe He's going to make me the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I believe He's going to wash me of my sins. Well, when are you going to believe it? When are you going to believe that he has washed you from those sins? When are you going to believe? What is, what's going to be the evidence to you that he has washed your sin away? Well, the evidence that we're supposed to take is that Jesus became sin for us. Does he, do I, am I waiting for that? I'm not waiting for that to happen. He became sin for me. So when I make that mine... When I say like the Apostle Paul, Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. When I, when I have made it so personal that now that crucifixion that Jesus endured on the cross, that was for me. You might think it was for you. Praise God. But let me tell you, from my point of view, he died on the cross for me. I know he died for you too, but let's, listen. When he was on the cross, I see me hanging on the cross together with Christ. When, I, when it becomes personal where I have now taken possession of that promise, I now am an owner of that. That is now mine. He died for me. He became sin for me. He became sin so that I could be made the righteousness. Now I'm the righteousness of God. Now I'm the righteousness of God. I'm not waiting to become the righteousness of God. I'm not waiting to be more righteous. I am now. Why? Because he was already made sin for me. So I have to believe I'm righteous before anybody else could even see I was righteous. I had to believe I am the righteousness of God before I felt any different. Before there was any evidence in my life. I was still driving the stolen car that I did not steal. But I was now a righteous woman driving that car. I was still wearing the same boots that I had got high in. But, they, but they, I'm, I'm a different woman wearing those get high boots. I was still wearing the same clothes I used to wear when I was committing sin. I was still driving the same car. My, my outward appearance didn't look any different. But on the inside, I was now the righteousness of God. I wasn't waiting to become the righteousness when I felt or looked different. I was already righteous. Why? Because I believed that He became sin for me. So when I believe that by His stripes... 
I was healed. Now I no longer need to wait. I need to give that my attention because and until there is a fullness of faith in my heart because that fullness of faith is the legal transaction. Amen. That fullness of faith. And so again, full faith doesn't come with one hearing. Fullness of faith. That fullness of faith, faith comes by having heard. Is that what it said? Having heard? Does it say having heard? We're in that chapter, right? Let's look at it. It says in verse 17, faith, you know, it cometh is actually added. So let's just pull it out. Faith by hearing. Faith by hearing. Faith by hearing. Hearing is not past tense. And it's not present tense. It's present progressive, which means it's ongoing. If you say, um, I run, that's different than saying, I am running. If I say, I am running, you would expect me to be running as I'm telling you, I am running. I am running. Why? Because I'm presently, progressively acting in that manner. I am presently progressively doing that action. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing. Hear, presently and continually in that action. Hearing. Faith by hearing and that hearing specifically by the Word of God. The Word of God. So faith for any specific provision comes from hearing the word specifically on that provision. Faith for finances comes from hearing the promises about your finances, hearing the scriptural instructions about your finances. Faith for a strong marriage comes from hearing the word of God concerning your marriage, concerning the holiness of that matrimony, concerning the instructions that God gives for the husband to love his wife as Christ loved the church and for the wife to respect and honor and reverence her husband. Those, those scriptures are not just do this or don't do this. Those scriptures contain the power of God to cause that action and that res, uh, uh, result in your life. So the, the Word of God is not just a do and don't instruction manual. The Word of God is the power to do it. Amen. The power to forgive, for instance, when he says, uh, if you have ought against any, forgive. The power to forgive is not just in your emotions. It's not just in your will to choose. The power is in that scripture. If you'll say, I'm going to forgive because God tells me to forgive. I'm going to act on the Word. And the blessing is in the doing of the Word. Is that what it says in James chapter 1? He will be blessed in his doing. It's when I act on the word that I unlock the creative power in the word. And so acting on the word of forgiveness gives me the ability to forgive. Acting on the word concerning my health gives me, it releases health into my body. Acting on the word in my marriage gives, releases that strength into my marriage. Every specific thing you need, there are specific Scripture that contains God's power to help you in that situation. So when it says faith comes or faith by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, 
The word by means out of or, or from. Faith from the word of God. Faith out of the word of God. Faith by hearing the word of God. It's coming out. That faith in the hearing of the word, there is something coming to you from the word. There's something released into your spirit as you hear. Now the hearing identifies to us that it's voice activated. The hearing, the hearing requires a proclaiming. Somebody's proclaiming it so that you hear it. Sometimes you're the one proclaiming it so that you can hear it. Sometimes you're speaking the word to yourself. You're speaking the word not to convince other people, not to just pray it to God, but you're declaring the word to voice activate it in your life. That's what the woman in Mark chapter 5, she was saying, if I touch the hem of his garment, if I just touch his clothes, if I can just touch his clothes, I shall be whole. I shall be whole. She wasn't saying that to convince the people in the audience, the congregation. She wasn't saying it to, to just make repetition. She was say, that was her faith speaking. She had heard of Jesus. Notice she heard of Jesus. And then she kept repeating what she'd heard. If I just touch, if I just touch, I shall be whole. So she heard somebody activate it and she kept the activation going with her own voice. Hallelujah. So sometimes, listen, you've got to be spiritually uh, sensitive to recognize when a scripture hits you. Don't just say, oh, that was great. I enjoyed that. And then walk away and forget it. No, take that one home with you and say, I'm going, I'm going to pick that back up. And I'm going to pull that back out. And I'm going to, I'm going to give my attention to that more often. Amen. And, and bring it into your mouth and into your heart on purpose. So the scripture, the word of God contains something that will come out from the word and into your life. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 11, verses 13 and 14. Acts 11, telling us the story... Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. This is... This story here uh, concerning um, Peter is actually rehearsing about how God had directed him to Cornelius' house. And it says here in verse 13, He showed us how he had seen an angel in his house which stood and said to him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon whose surname is Peter who will tell you the words whereby... You and all of your house shall be saved. Words, words by which, through these words, by the application, by the hearing and the acting on these words, you will be saved. Hallelujah. Here is, again, that salvation, specifically in his situation, talking about being born again, the new life in Christ, but 
Again, the application can be words by which you can be healed. Words by which you can be prospered. Word by which there's in the word there is supernatural creative ability that is only accessed through the word. Hallelujah. Supernatural creative ability in God's word that we can access. Now see this this puts things in a reachable location for the believer. I don't have to wait till somebody with a certain spiritual gift or a certain amount of faith does it for me. I don't have to wait until other people can pray it for me or other people or God does a miracle. I can access this creative power by His Word. He put it in His Word so that I can access it. So that I'm not, now I'm not waiting on God. God already put it in His Word. Remember, the Word is near you. You're not saying somebody come down from heaven, raise Jesus from, from beneath. No, I, I've got the Word. That's what the righteousness which is of faith will say. I've got the Word. That's what the man in Matthew chapter 8, the centurion said. He said, if you just send the Word, if you'll just say the Word, the Word is enough. And Jesus said, I haven't found that great faith. But you and I, we have the ability to look back at that and say, that's how you get great faith. That's what Jesus identified as the, the top level of faith. The highest working of our faith is that if I just have the word, then I have the answer. Jesus is the word, John 1, in the beginning was the word. So he became flesh, Jesus is the word. If I have the word, I have Jesus involved in my situation. If I, so I don't need to see angels. I don't need to see uh, outward manifestations of glory. If I have the word, I have the answer because Jesus is at work in that situation and we're just going to keep applying the word to it because in the word there is supernatural creative ability to change the situation. Amen. To dominate the situation. We're talking about allowing the word to govern our lives. Governed by the word. It's not just me. Oh, I just uh, like I'm going to the candy counter and I'm picking up a little bit of candy here and a little promise off the candy shelf here and I'm going to get this and I'm going to get that. No, I'm going to say, let your word have its full effect in my life. I submit to what you say. You say by your stripes I'm healed. I submit to that. I agree with that. I believe that. Be it unto me according to your word. You say that I'm blessed going in and I'm blessed coming out. You say that I'm more than a conqueror through him who loves me. You say that I'll never go under, I'll always go over. I submit to that. I'm governed by that. You tell me to forgive, I'm submit to that too. You tell me that I need to walk in love, I'll submit to that too. You tell me not to be critical, I'll submit to that too. You tell me that I need to uh, uh, think the best of every person, I'll submit to that too. Why? Because I'm word governed and that's how I'm going to get word results. If I just want to pick and choose from the word here and there, I'm not going to have an effective working of the word in my life because the word isn't designed just to give you a little bit of feel-good blessing here and there. The word is designed to take you on a current of God's plan for your life so that he can protect you, so that he can 
He can strengthen you. If you get in trouble, He can deliver you. Why? Because you're, the, you're one who's governed by the Word. You're one who's cooperating with His Word. Hallelujah. So this being governed by the Word, we've got to be proficient in the receiving of the Word. So when we look at, for instance, Acts chapter 14, and we see this man who was healed in this chapter. I want to read verse uh, 7 through 10. Acts 14, 7 says, There they preached the gospel. So faith by hearing the word. They preached the gospel. Faith by hearing the word. According to Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, the, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, right? Are you familiar with that scripture? Romans 1, 16, the gospel is the power of God unto rescue, liberation, deliverance, prosperity, healing, soundness. Re- soundness, that's a good word to describe salvation, soundness. Soundness in my spiritual condition and soundness in my emotional, uh, mental Uh, uh, every area of sound. He wants my life sound. The gospel is the power or the ability of God to make your life sound, to make your life stable, to restore. You know, one, one, the, the peace of God that passes all understanding is constantly at work. The power of God's peace is bringing your life back to wholeness. Whatever has been destroyed by wrong decisions, by living wrong after the flesh, when you begin to walk in a place where the Word is governing and the peace of God can flow, that peace goes and it begins to fix and restore and make sound, whole, complete the areas in your life, whether that's financial or physical The peace of God wants to work to bring you to soundness. That's the working of salvation in our life. The gospel, though, the gospel, the preached word, is the ability or contains the power, the ability to liberation, to rescue, to soundness. And that's why the preaching of the gospel is one of the most important things taking place in this earth today. You are in one of the most important meetings going on on the planet today. Hallelujah. The preaching of the gospel because this this supernatural creative power of God that comes into our life and restores our life being preached to us is what Jesus, the head of the church, is focused on. And so the gospel is the power, the ability of God unto salvation. He said it here, they were preaching the gospel. Verse 7, they preached the gospel. And there sat a man at Lystra, impotent in his feet. Now just so that you know how desperate and dire this man's situation was, it continues describing his condition. Being a cripple from his mother's womb. So if it's not enough for you to know that he is lacking any ability or power in his feet and adding to that he has from the day he was born been in this situation just so that you don't see 
how, how clear that problem is, it goes on to say who had never walked. He had absolutely no ability in his feet, no strength in his feet, no ability in his feet. He had, from his mother's womb, been in this crippled condition and he has never walked. But it says the gospel, the creative ability of God was declared. The gospel was being preached. He heard Paul speak. Is that what verse 9 says? The same, this man heard Paul speak. Who steadfastly beholding him, Paul steadfastly beholding this man and perceiving that he had faith to be made sound, to be restored, to be liberated from his present condition and brought into a wholeness, a soundness. This man had faith to be healed. He'd never walked. He had from the day he was born been unable to walk. But words have been declared that were not man's words, but God's words containing God's creative power, God's creative ability, the gospel to set him free, the gospel that by the stripes of Jesus you are healed by him becoming sin, you're made righteous by him becoming cursed, you're made blessed by him becoming poor, you've been made rich. This good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ had been preached unto him and what happened? He has faith. He now has in his heart the ability to make a transaction. I can leave this store today with something I didn't come in here with. Because I've, I've got enough to make the transaction. He may have walked into that same store every day and said, I, or no, he wouldn't have walked. He may have been carried into that same store every day and said, I wish I could walk out of here. I wish I could walk out of here with wholeness. I wish I could walk out of here with wellness. I wish I could walk out of here with strength in my feet. But he never had enough to make the transaction. But now there had been delivered to him. He didn't have to buy the faith to become. He didn't have to work for the faith. All he had to do was hear it. Somebody had to come preaching it and he heard it. He heard the words that Paul spoke. He heard, what was Paul speaking? The gospel. He was preaching the gospel. There they preached the gospel. And with the preaching of the words into his heart was deposited. A transfer. A transaction. A transfer came in and he opened up his account and said, Look, somebody deposited money in my account. Somebody deposited faith in my account. Now I have enough to go to the counter and make the transaction to receive my healing. He didn't even realize that the money had been transferred into his account. Thank God for the man of God who looked at him and saw, you've got faith to be healed. There was a spiritual perception in Paul to be able to recognize when faith had come. 
When that man could, that, that switch was made. Do you, do you think that that's what Jesus was looking for when that woman who touched him, he was looking, he's, I know somebody's been touched. He's looking at their faces. He's, he's perceiving, I'm, I know somebody in here has touched the hem of my, his power, virtue has gone out of me. Uh-huh. Right? Paul had that perception to realize faith had come. But you know what? The man wasn't healed. He was sitting there in the condition, the same condition, because he hadn't acted on his faith. He hadn't made the exchange. He hadn't made that transaction yet. Paul saw, he perceived, this man has faith to be healed, and he, he gave him a faith command. Stand up on your feet. Let's see what he says here. He, he says, he perceiving, beholding him, perceiving that he had faith to be healed said with a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And the man acted on the word. He acted on that word. Stand upright on your feet is like saying you're healed. Be healed. When we look at the way Jesus prayed for people, we don't see Jesus praying to God in most situations. We see him when he was at the tomb of Lazarus saying, Lord, you've already heard me. But when he was dealing with people who had infirmities and sicknesses, he didn't pray to God to heal them. And although that's not wrong, because the New Testament tells us in the book of James that we can pray the prayer of faith, that you can call for the elders of the church. But that's see, there's more than one way. When Jesus dealt with them, he dealt with them by commanding them to be. He spoke their end result. He called those things that be not as though they were. He spoke them healed. He said, be healed. Go wash your your eyes in the pool Siloam. Stand upright. Take up your bed and walk. He gave those commands. They had to act on them. They had to act on them before they felt different, before they saw anything different. It was in that acting. Remember, he, he said, go show yourself to the priests, to those lepers. And as they went... They weren't healed when Jesus said it. They were healed as they went, as they were doing the word, as they were acting on the word they'd heard. I've heard a word. They could have rejected that word. I can't go show myself to the priest. Look at me. I can't go to the priest in this condition. How can I go? What they were saying as they go, do you want me to go? Okay. Okay. I'm just going to do it because he said do it. Right? I'm going to act on his word. I don't see, I don't see any difference in my appearance. I don't see any physical difference. I, I, what, I, but he said, he said, he said, go show myself to the priest. I'm going to act as they went. As they went, they were healed. Blessed in the doing, James 1. Blessed in the doing. You can receive the engrafted word, but you have to be doing it. Receiving it is the first part, then I'm going to act on it. He had received it and faith had come. But faith wasn't applied yet. Oh, we can learn so much from this. We can learn so much. I wonder how many of us are sitting here with faith to be out of debt. And you haven't even realized you got faith to be out of debt. Hallelujah. Faith for you fill in the blank. What is it that you're believing for? Have you acted on it because it's the doing of it? If that woman had just stayed in Mark chapter 5, had just stayed in her house and said, well, I've heard of Jesus. I've heard of Jesus. 
But no, she had, she, her faith moved her. She had to act on it. Faith came and then that faith propelled her. It motivated her in a specific direction. And as she went and acted on that, made, making that point of contact, this man had faith. He had faith to be healed. But he wasn't healed until he acted on the word when the man of God said, stand upright on your feet. And he leaped and walked. So this man was not healed by Paul's faith. Paul did not heal this man. He was not healed by the anointing on Paul's ministry. And sometimes, listen, there are healing anointings in the body of Christ because God wants us healed. He has made so many different avenues for healing to be administered. He's got the prayer of faith. He's got laying on of hands. He's got, he's got the uh, anointing with oil. He's got uh, the gift of healings. He, he's got the healing anointings. He's got so many different ways. But if, if you receive healing through one of these other ways, you're still going to have to bring your faith to maintain that healing. Because the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if he had a foothold once, he may try to come back again. And that's why Jesus said to that one woman in Mark chapter 5, go your way and, and continue, go in peace and be healed of that plague. Amen. Continually be, stay healed of that plague. Why? By maintaining your peace. Hallelujah. So, so the healing anointing can in some places... Administer healing. God, God placed that healing anointed and Jesus was anointed. And, and in that anointing, we see him flowing in multitudes being healed. But that's not the only way to receive healing, right? Gifts of healings are available in the body of Christ, but that's not the only way to receive healing. The healing anointing wasn't worked in this scenario here in Acts chapter 14. Paul's faith was not exercised over this man for this man to release. All Paul did, let me tell you what Paul did. He preached the gospel. He perceived that the man had faith. And then he gave that man the instruction to stand up and walk. What did this man do? This man heard Paul preach. He had faith to be healed. And then he acted on that. He leapt up and walked. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this man wasn't healed by an anointing or a gift of healing or another person's faith. He was healed by the Word. By the, the Word preached and he acted on the Word that had been preached. Amen? And, and that's available to every one of us. So you don't have to wait till somebody with a healing anointing comes into town. You don't have to wait until somebody with the prayer of faith is prayed over you and I are at the liberty as believers to take God's Word and apply it like medicine. Amen. Proverbs chapter 4, that's what he instructs us, isn't it? He instructs us in chapter 4 and verse 20. I keep waiting for that air to kick off. I know y'all are cold. If somebody wants to help the air kick off, you can rescue some of the ladies whose lips are turning blue. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. 
It helps not to get sleepy. I've realized that. <laughs> Proverbs 4.20, My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. These words are life. These words contain life, spiritual life that will affect your physical body. Your physical body is designed to be fed strength from your spirit. Your born-again, reborn human spirit. Remember that word? We talked about it Wednesday night. Your reborn human spirit. Your reborn human spirit contains the life of God. Now, it talks about in the New Testament that our outward man is perishing. Our outward man. But in the same time, it says that our inward man is renewed day by day. The outward man, which I'm not going to give it liberty to, to perish any faster than it needs to. <laughs> My outward man. Because Romans chapter 8 says, look at me, uh, and look at, with me at Romans chapter 8. I just want one phrase and we're going to come back to Proverbs. Romans chapter 8 talks about how the Spirit of God who dwells in our spirit will quicken our body. Hallelujah. So, verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Christ, or raised up Jesus from the dead, dwell in you, and He does, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken. This word quicken means bring to life. Administer life. The spirit of the, of the greater one, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit who lives in my spirit, my reborn human spirit, will quicken my body. I submit to that. Do you submit to that today? Do you, do you release your faith? The, the spirit of God can quicken my body. He can quicken my body. He can quicken my bloodstream. He can quicken certain organs that he can bring to life the activity of that organ if it's, if it's starting to experience weakness. He can quicken it. He will quicken your mortal bodies. Hallelujah. Bring to life your mortal body. You need this body to be here. If you don't have that body, you got to leave. You'll have to go to glory, <laughs> praise God that we get to, but I don't want to leave till my assignment's done. There's, there's, there's grandchildren I need to influence. There are prayers I need to pray, sermons I need to preach. There are, are, are things that God has assigned, books that need to be written, things that I'm assigned to do, I'm not done. So just because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, I don't want to go before my time. So what do I need to do? I need to realize that my physical body will need strength from my spirit. It will need spiritual strength applied to it, life applied to it. So, you know, in the original plan, when God made Adam, 
He created Adam spiritually. He put life in him. He breathed into him the breath of life. And he was designed to live forever. His body was not built to die. That's why it took so long for them to die. They lived a very long time. And of course, of course, before the flood, there was a, there, there was a different atmospheric condition because, of uh, first of all, there, when the flood occurred, it says the water from above. So before the flood, there was water layer above the earth that, that caused a different atmospheric condition. And so the oxygen levels were different and the lack of sun rays coming in was protected through that layer of water, right? There was a lot of it. So they lived like 900 years, you know, a hundred, hundreds of years. And then after the flood, that began to to lessen. And then also people began to talk themselves to death. That tickles me to death, and it cost me an arm and a leg, and I thought I was going to laugh till I died. And, and, and the, the, the verbiage that, that the mouth, because I, there's lot, death and life in the power of the tongue. So in, in God's original plan, though, man's body was not designed to die. That's why the Bible calls death the last enemy. It, death, it, there's nothing natural about death. It was not God's original plan that any of us die. God never designed for us to be separated from our body. His original plan was, I'm going to create their body, I'm going to put their spirit live in their body, and they're going to walk around as spirit beings on this earth in their earth suit. Aren't you glad we get a resurrected body? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. But this is the fallen version. I get, a, I get a, a revamped version. I get to trade in my old version with the cracks and everything, the wrinkles, and, and get the updated, glorified version. But God never intended for my body to be separated from the spirit life He put in my spirit. When Adam fell, He said... Don't eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because in eating it, in dying you shall die. That's the Hebrew. In dying you shall die. In the Hebrew, it speaks of two deaths. In dying spiritually, you will eventually die physically. He died immediately in his spirit. Which does not mean he ceased to exist in his spirit, But that spiritual death means he disconnected from God's life immediately when he sinned. When he ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he disconnected himself from the life. Do you know the moon has no light? The moon does not produce any light. Did you know that? We know that. We learned that in science, didn't we? The moon does not produce any light. When we see moonlight, what is it? It's the reflection of the sun. So it's coming from the sun. Mankind cannot produce any light on their own. We have to reflect. That connection to God allows His spirit life to live in us. And that's why Jesus referred to it as a vine being connected to the branches. He is the vine. He is the the life of God. And we connect. And as long as in that connection... Without Him, disconnected from Him, we can do nothing. But in Him, connected to Him, we can do all things. 
because the life of God, that spirit life then was God's original design for our physical health. It is still applicable to our physical health. We can feed on the life of God and cause our bodies to receive health and healing. Why? Because it's in His life. It is designed to make our bodies alive, to to strengthen our bodies, to strengthen our immune system, to strengthen... Uh, Brother Keith Moore said, you know, he preached for 20 years in healing school. And he said, after a while I realized I have not been sick in a few years. Why? Because he was constantly feeding on healing scriptures to teach it. Brother Hagen said that he would read on healing and, and focus on it. And he was not only teaching it, but he would read Lillian B. Yeomans about healing and read Smith Wigglesworth about faith and, and read uh, uh, different... Uh, Christ the Healer was another one that he read. He said, I would read them till the covers fell off and I'd get another copy. All throughout his life, he was reading those scriptures and he said, there was a period of, of, of a number of years, he said, I forgot I had a body. Not, here's what he was saying. It never got sick. Why? Because he had such a, an intake of the life that caused his body to heal, that caused his body to be strong, that strengthened his immune system and strengthened the way his organs worked. He had such an intake of it, it just automatically kept him healed. And he wasn't having to resist constantly because the resistance was automatic in the hearing. It It was happening just because that's what he was feeding on. And then Brother, Brother Moore said, when I realized that, I thought, I'm going to start teaching on prosperity because that's what I need. <laughs> and so he said, I started feeding and teaching on that to bring that into a greater flow or a greater manifestation in his life. So it's the feeding on it, the, the putting it in the heart that causes it to be applied to the body. That's what it says here. Attend, incline your ear, don't let it from, uh, depart from your eyes because we need it to get in the heart. We need your heart to have a fullness of the word. If, the, if we don't get it in the heart, it's not in a way that it can be accessed. Remember Jesus said in Matthew 12, out of the good treasure of the heart, you can bring forth good things. So if you're treasuring up healing in your heart, you can bring forth healing. If you're treasuring it up, it's there. If you don't make a deposit, you're going to be limited in your withdrawals. You're going to be limited in the debits that your card can make if there's not a continual deposit, right? But if you've made the deposit, now you've got a resource by which you can draw it out. You can draw it out. And so we've got to put the word in so that we can draw it out. It doesn't work off the page. You can't take a page out of your Bible and go into a hospital room and lay it on somebody to make them... Uh, to make that healing power be applied to their body. You can't pull it off the page. Now, you can take it off the page and put it in your ears and eyes so that it gets in your heart. It's got to come out of the heart to be applied. It's got got to be in the heart to come out of the heart. 
If it's not in the heart in a full measure, you can't pull a full, let me say this, in a developed measure. If it's not in the heart in a developed measure, you know, if you look at a picture, an image that has been printed, it's made up of dots per inch. So you can get a picture and you, you want it to be 300 DPI. If you want to print a picture for a book cover, for instance, I know that it has to be 300 DPI. If you've ever looked at a newspaper picture and you look closely, you can see the little dots. They took all those little dots and made an image, right? If the image isn't clear, it's hard to tell what it is. So if you've only, and, and, and the Word of God will go into your heart and start imprinting images. If you just, for the first time here, by His stripes I'm healed, but you've had a, a lifetime of hearing, God doesn't heal anymore. Healing was done away with. Healing isn't for today. If you've had a lifetime of hearing that, you've got the wrong image and you need the right image imprinted. And so you're going to have to hear until the image develops. Have you ever watched one of those old-timey printers that would go out and it would go across? You know what I'm talking about. And it would make an image with all those dots and you could see it. And, and as you watch it, you see the image form. Well, as you're applying the word, the image of health, you'll, when you come to a place that you see yourself healed, you see yourself well, that image is now becoming clear. If you still can close your spiritual eyes and see yourself struggling, see yourself weaker, see yourself maybe not making it, if, if images flash up of the wrong thing, of, of, of your funeral, of, of, of how are they going to go on without me, the image isn't clear. The, the image that's in you is an image of loss, an image of death. What we want is the image of wholeness. And it, it has, that word has to go in to change the image and then make clear the God image of promise. The, what, what God promised has to become clear in us so that we can see it. I use the example of when we were coming out of debt and uh, I came to that place in my, in my stand where I knew we are, I, it, we are out of debt. It, I, I just knew. It was like I, I knew when a fullness had come. We are out of debt. Nothing had changed. We still had the bills there. But that knowing came and within a matter of weeks after the knowing came, two weeks later, the manifestation came. But I knew it in my spirit before I saw it in the natural. Why? Because I had been spending months and months building that image from the Word, taking the Word, putting it in my heart. He brings out those which are bound by chains. I'd been doing things in the natural. I'd been paying off bills in the natural. I quit using credit cards. Uh, we, we sold the car that we were upside down in. We were taking those steps and we had gotten to that last part. So I'd done everything I could do in the natural, but that spiritual knowing came 
because, and the image was clear. Hallelujah. And so that's why we don't want to get frustrated if you still feel symptoms. Because a lot of people think it's not working because I still feel. It's not working because this is still present. It's not working because this is still a problem. That's not the basis of my faith. My feelings are not the basis of my faith. My symptoms are not the basis of my faith. My present condition is not the basis of my faith. I'm trying to bring to nothing something that is by calling for something that's not. Abram, God changed his name to Abraham so that he could equip him to call for something. He called himself father of many nations when he didn't have any children by Sarah. He called it not because he saw it, not because he felt it. In his, his physical body still had all of the same screaming evidences and, and uh, proof. You're too old to have children. She's too old to have children. She was never able to have children. All of those things were loudly identifying themselves to Abraham. But he had to move away from all of those natural evidences and say, they are not the conditioning factor for my promise. So shall my seed be, so shall my seed be, so shall my seed be, so shall my seed be. That's the scripture that Romans 4 says, changed Abraham from the, to that inner... Because in cha chapter 15, he had the wrong image. He had an unclear image. He said, what are you going to give me seeing I go childless? That's what he saw when he looked in the situation. And God said, that's not the right image. Go out and look at the stars and tell them, so shall my seed be, so shall my seed be, so shall my seed be. Sands of the earth, stars in the heaven, so shall my seed be is the scripture that he stood on. It was, it was God spoke it to him. He didn't even have it written. He, God said, so shall my seed be. If he can become the father of many nations with so shall my seed be, five words, how much more can we receive by his stripes I am healed? Amen. Amen? Himself took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses. Hallelujah. Himself took and bore. Glory to God. By the word, the word is available to you. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet today. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Father, for your word. Just lift your hands and thank him for his word today. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you have supplied the creative ability in your word to turn my situation, to, to frame my world with your will. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, I release my faith today for strength, for wisdom, for health, for victory. Let it be clearly seen. Let the preaching of your word from this pulpit be done with a boldness. And let the receiving be complete. 
and the full measure of your creative power be able to work in our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.